Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Nick Abbott. Let's go to Washington and talk to LBC's US correspondent, Simon Marks. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. So it's a big day in Russia. What's being said about what might happen with this uh, parade and the address from Vladimir Putin later today? Well, they're certainly braced here for surprises. Uh, I was actually talking to one senior uh, figure who has served multiple American presidents and is one of the city's notable experts uh, on Russia earlier today, uh, who was saying that literally anything could happen. I mean, there were suggestions a week ago... uh, that Vladimir Putin might use this May the 9th address uh, in Russia, which, of course, will be formally commemorating uh, the Soviet Union's role in defeating Hitler at the end of the Second World War. Uh, There was speculation that he might use the speech formally to declare war on Ukraine, because remember that up until now he's defined uh, the military assault as simply a special military operation. Uh, There are suggestions uh, and speculation here uh, that he might use the speech formally uh, to declare that Russia now controls some of those areas uh, that Russian forces have uh, taken, including the city of Kherson uh, and perhaps eastern Ukraine itself, the areas around Donetsk and Luhansk, uh, and formally declare that they are now, from his perspective, Russian territory. Uh, Anything really is on the table, and uh, the Biden administration today uh, has been bracing for what might occur. Uh, President Biden was on the phone with G7 leaders and with President Volodymyr Zelensky uh, again insisting that there is complete Western unity, particularly in terms of the relationship uh, between the US and its transatlantic allies and partners of the need to stand up to Russian uh, aggression, vowing that there will be more support particularly in the form of lethal weaponry that will be unveiled for Ukraine. We may even hear about some of that tomorrow. Uh, And they also announced uh, here today a raft of new sanctions further designed uh, to choke the Russian economy uh, off from the rest of the world, uh, but also on this occasion to punish and and, and prevent some American companies from doing business in Russia. So among the measures that they've announced today, uh, sanctions that will prevent the big four international accounting firms from from providing accountancy services, Uh, to Russian corporate entities. Uh, They are restricting the ability of management consultants and lobbyists here in Washington uh, and in other European capitals to provide services uh, to the Russian government or to Russian uh, corporations. Uh, There are sanctions targeting the Russian media. Three state uh, TV channels absolutely controlled by uh, the Kremlin will, the Biden administration insists, no longer be able to buy U.S. manufactured equipment. They pointed out today that they're all using uh, American and other Western manufactured cameras and microphones and lighting rigs and uh, all of that kind of thing. I mean, to some extent, that's slamming the stable door closed after the horse has bolted because, I mean, I've been to to some of those uh, Russian TV stations myself over the last few years and, uh, I mean, they, they are all absolutely kitted out with Western gear, 
but they are kitted out with Western gear. So provided it doesn't break, they're not going to be able uh, at this point to, to replace it, but they can carry on using what they've got because there's no uh, way of preventing them from doing that. I, I mean, it is notable that the one uh, group of people that managed to have escaped at this point uh, sanctions are American law firms. The lawyers win again. Mm. They will, for now, be able to continue uh, providing representation to Russians, although uh, a senior administration official indicated that perhaps at some point in the future, law firms will be included uh, in similar sanctions. So I think we, we may be hearing more tomorrow. Uh, it's unclear uh, whether President Biden is formally going to himself speak on May the 9th, um, or whether they're going to wait and see just what Vladimir Putin does. They have the advantage here, of course, uh, of the fact that Moscow is several hours ahead uh, of the United States. So when they wake up here in the morning, they might have a sense uh, of what Vladimir Putin has said and done, and then they can seek to respond to it. Yeah, I think that the lawyers get a pass in this country as well. Curious. It's amazing. It's mm. amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I've <laughs> heard that, um, that Russia is running out of uh, missiles, and some of the technology that they use for these missiles comes from the West, doesn't it? What's the, has there been any movement on that? Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, all of that is going to be choked off. I, I mean, defence analysts here say that one of the reasons why uh, the Russian military is running into so much difficulty, and, and remember, May the 9th, of course, was the day that Vladimir Putin planned to declare victory uh, over Ukraine. I mean, this was going to be, in his plan, a huge celebration. And, of course, he's not able to do that because they've run into so much difficulty. Uh, I mean, what has clearly been revealed is the weakness uh, of Russia's military force. And there are several reasons for that. One is that Vladimir Putin appears to have been lied to by his defence chiefs. I mean, he spent the Western equivalent of 200 billion building up a Russian military force, uh, except a lot of that money was clearly siphoned off. And so while he was being told that, uh, you know, they had all of this blisteringly efficient weaponry and uh, this, this fantastic coiled spring uh, of, a, of an army ready to descend on Ukraine, it, it's not like that at all because so much of the money uh, appears to have been siphoned off. It's also not like that at all because... Uh, it's absolutely apparent that amid the amid the ranks, you know, the ranks are swelled in some cases by conscripts who had no idea that they were being sent across the border into Ukraine. So discipline and motivation is an issue. And then there is the question of their capacity to use um, armaments that are as advanced as the weaponry uh, that the West and NATO is providing to Ukraine. Uh, and the the, the the Russian army is still uh, primarily using um, non-smart weaponry. They're using these so-called dumb uh, armaments. I mean, bombs that you literally have to drop from a relatively low altitude. Uh, and if you're uh, flying in order to drop them, uh, the Ukrainian air defences have the capacity uh, to combat them. So there's a whole host of issues there. Uh, and obviously, including, of course, the fact that the United States and its allies absolutely are not going to do anything uh, to help the Russians uh, repair or replace any Western components in weapons uh, that are running out or that have already been used on the Ukrainian battlefield.
Now, the big story uh, over the last couple of weeks or so from America has been the uh, story about the Roe versus Wade, the uh, abortion story. That we could see this coming uh, a mile away. What, what's the latest developments there? Yeah, so a big week uh, lies ahead because Democrats are under tremendous pressure by their grassroots abortion rights supporters uh, as uh, the, the abortion rights pro- uh, supporters were, pr- were chanting on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court earlier last week to do something Democrats, do something Democrats. Well, there's not much they can do because remember that as a result of former President Donald Trump uh, enjoying the historic opportunity to uh, put three justices onto the nine-member Supreme Court, and remember Supreme Court justices serve for life, well, the Supreme Court now has six justices uh, appointed by Republican presidents and only three appointed by Democrats. I mean, the Democrats claim they are flabbergasted that the Supreme Court might actually be poised to strike down Roe versus Wade, that 1973 landmark ruling that has kept abortion legal from coast to coast for the last 50 years. But it was absolutely apparent that uh, particularly Donald Trump's appointees, but others on the court, including uh, Judge Samuel Alito, who has uh, scribed this draft opinion, which may be changed, but could, of course, equally be promulgated as the final uh, opinion within the next few weeks, absolutely determined to strike down Roe versus Wade. Republican grassroots supporters have been salivating for that eventuality for the last 50 years. So, tomorrow, uh, the Democrats' leader in the Senate, the Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, is going to begin the process of trying to force a vote that he wants to hold on Wednesday that would formally enshrine the uh, protections offered by Roe versus Wade uh, of a woman's right to choose, enshrine that into a new federal law, because there's no federal law on the books that keeps abortion legal. Problem with that is it's an absolutely futile effort. It is doomed to fail. There's no prospect of it passing. He would need 60 of the 100 votes in the Senate to get it passed. He can't even keep all of his own uh, 50 Democrats on side for this because one of them, Senator Joe Manchin of Virginia, that that right-leaning Democrat that we've spoken about before, has already said that he won't back it. Uh, And there's another difficulty for the Democrats in all of this. Why did they wait until now to try and enshrine these protections into federal law when, you know, Barack Obama and Bill Clinton as presidents at various points in their administrations had enormous majorities up on Capitol Hill? And it would have been prudent, we now know with hindsight, for them to have taken that action then but they didn't. So the Democrats are in a jam over this. Their grassroots supporters are suddenly realising that this Supreme Court is determined uh, to shape American society in a whole variety of ways that they don't like. Abortion could just be the start of all of this. And if this final ruling is, if this draft ruling is the final ruling, then of course it will be up to each of America's individual 50 states to make and enforce their own laws on abortion and we expect uh, at least 13 states mostly across the south of the united states uh, to take steps immediately either very very heavily to restrict abortion or in some cases outright outright to ban it 
Yeah, um, I think the reason that the Democrats um, didn't take advantage of the opportunity that they had is that uh, they, they seem to be gripped by not wanting to be unfair, which the Republicans <laughs> are, yeah. are not subject to. They don't care about fair. They care about winning. Yeah, there is a slightly more cynical um, suggestion that you could make, which is that, you know, on the one hand, the Demo you say to the Democrats, well, why didn't you do this before? And they said, well, we never thought they were actually going to do it, which doesn't really chime with what Democrats have been telling their supporters for at least the last 30 years, which was that the Republicans absolutely were planning to do this, and that's why you needed to back Democrat uh, Democratic candidates. That's what the White House is saying now about this November's uh, congressional elections. You've abs absolutely got to back Democrat candidates in order uh, to give President Biden perhaps his own opportunity at some point to fill a seat or maybe two on the US Supreme Court, although I think that's an unlikely eventuality. I, I mean, had this um, Roe versus Wade uh, and the protections that it affords, had it been enshrined in federal law, and had the Supreme Court at some point upheld that law and said, right, OK, abortion is legal from coast to coast, the Democrats then would have been stripped of a major uh, campaign opportunity. I mean, they have used the protection of abortion as a method to get out the vote for a very long time. So there is a cynical view that says, well, it's not entirely in the Democrats' interests for this to be a wholly settled issue because they do use it every four years to galvanise uh, their supporters and drive them to the polls. Right. Now, um, <laughs> I can't believe this story. A central <laughs> Indiana man has just uh, won a Republican primary election for a township board in the state. Uh, you fill in the gaps. Yeah, well, I mean, you remember Donald Trump used to say that he could shoot a man on Fifth Avenue and it wouldn't damage him in any way, least of all politically. Well, we have some evidence to support the view that there is another Republican out there um, who might be in similar circumstances. His name is Andrew Wilhoyt. He's from uh, Lebanon in Indiana. And uh, he uh, last week won a primary election to sit on the township board in his state, which is basically sort of a city council, uh, county commissioner kind of position. But he won it while he was in jail accused of murdering his wife. Back in March, he is accused uh, of having murdered uh, his 41-year-old uh, wife who, who was suffering from cancer, uh, uh, allegedly had uncovered an extramarital affair that he had been having, remonstrated with him. He allegedly grabbed a uh, substantial concrete flower pot, um, hit her with it, uh, she passed out. He allegedly put her in the back of his pickup truck, truck and dumped her uh, in a creek where she was later found dead. So he's in jail. He remained on the ballot in this uh, race uh, to become a candidate uh, for the township board. Uh, there were three positions available, uh, and uh, he. Uh, there were only three people running, uh, and so he uh, secured enough votes to advance to the next stage. Uh, I think uh, one voter uh, in four backed him uh, in this election, uh, and he could well become uh, a member of this uh, township uh, board unless uh, he is convicted before 
the November general election. If he's convicted before the November election, uh, he would uh, then automatically be removed from the ballot. But if the wheels of justice grind slowly uh, in November, he'll be on the ballot. And it will be interesting to see if the people of Indiana uh, take uh, a more dim view of the allegations against him than they clearly did in this primary contest last week. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing about this that surprises me the most is that it's, it didn't happen in Florida. <laughs> yes, there is that. Absolutely. You would automatically assume he would be a Florida man, yeah. but um, may, maybe he's been there on holiday. Thanks very much, Simon. Cheers, Nick. Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, talking to us there from Washington, D.C.